Havenwood, present day. When I awakened that first morning at Havenwood, for a moment I had no idea where I was. As sleep receded and I drifted back from wherever one goes in dreams, I sensed I wasn't in my own familiar nest of pillows. When my eyes fluttered open and I caught sight of the dark red walls, not the subdued yellow of my bedroom at home, I shot up and looked around, trying to get my bearings. The bed where I lay, and had presumably spent the night, had an ornately carved wooden headboard and a thick embroidered comforter. A matching dresser with a pink marble top stood on one wall. My gray sweater was slung over a chair in the corner. A bank of windows was draped with a heavy curtain, and in the fireplace across from the bed, coals were still smoldering from the night before. It all looked vaguely familiar, but distant, as though I had dreamed about this room in another place and time. I curled back down under the covers when I remembered that these sorts of blackouts were not a new sensation. I'd forgotten conversations, events, even whole days since the scandal and its horrible aftermath took over my life. And truth be told, even before that, it began to come back to me, bit by bit, as I knew it would. Images like a slideshow in my mind. Jeremy, a gunshot, the funeral. I squeezed my eyes shut tight, trying to hold back the flood of memories. Wasn't the medication supposed to help with this? That was its purpose, wasn't it? To muddle the mind, to blur the edges of reality just enough to make life endurable, despite all manner of horror and heartbreak. I shook those thoughts out of my head and roused myself, pouring a glass of water from the pitcher on the nightstand before padding across the thick woolen carpet to the windows. I drew back the curtain and felt the warmth of the morning sun shining on my face, despite the chill coming from the panes. Outside, I saw the remnants of a manicured garden, now covered by new-fallen snow, and a wide expanse of yards spilling into a forest beyond. The green of the enormous pines contrasted with the whiteness that blanketed everything as far as the eye could see. Cutting through it all, a road followed a river that meandered out of sight. Somehow it felt like home, even though it was no home I had ever known. I had been on that road the night before, I knew with sudden clarity. In a car, after the flight. Ah, yes, I thought, I remember. A wave of excitement washed over me when I remembered who might be meeting in just a few minutes. I could scarcely believe I was here. Mr. Sinclair had arrived on my doorstep a few days earlier with an invitation. Now, as I recall that first meeting, shaking his hand for the first time, I remember the feeling of warmth when his skin touched mine, a fiery glow illuminating his eyes with a definite familiarity, though he was a stranger to me. Or maybe my memories are colored by what happened after that day, by everything I know now. Time and experience have a funny way of altering one's recollections of the past. There was a quick knock at the door. I snapped my head around to see a woman entering the room. Oh, ma'am, you're up. I was just coming to wake you for breakfast. Had I seen her the night before? I wasn't sure. Her round, smiling face, gray hair, and kind blue eyes might have belonged to anyone, and her gray maid's uniform seemed to be something out of central casting. If you'd like to freshen up before joining Mrs. Sinclair downstairs, towels and everything else you need are in the bath. She pointed to a door I hadn't noticed. She crossed the room and opened the closet to reveal my clothes, all hanging in neat rows. Is there anything I can lay out for you? I looked from her expectant face to my clothes and back again. 
No, I can manage, thank you, I said, grasping for her name. I couldn't bring it to mind. Marion, she said. Marion. She gave me a quick nod. Right, then. Please be in the breakfast room in thirty minutes. Mrs. Sinclair likes things on a schedule. That's one thing you should know right off. The breakfast room? Oh, of course. It was quite late when you arrived last night, and this house can be so confusing for newcomers. She opened the door and gestured out into the hallway. Follow this corridor around to the left until you reach the grand staircase. Take that down to the first floor. You'll see the living room on your right and the foyer in front of you with the archway to the dining room on your left. You'll find the breakfast room adjacent to the dining room. She hesitated a moment. You're on the third floor, here in the east wing, she said. The Sinclair suite of rooms is on the second floor in the west wing. I'd advise staying there.